Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon. Welcome again to another Lunch and Learn. I know things are a little different today. You're used to seeing Myrna, Myrna here, and Myrna James, but I decided to jump in today because I have a dear, dear soul to me joining us today. That's Angelo DeGangi. Angelo and I go way, way back. We've known each other since we were 13 years old. Um, so almost 50 years happening here. And Angelo was here because he is a combination of things. He is an attorney focusing on elder care, and he is also our um, regional uh, director for, excuse me, executive director for elder care and grandparent resource. Now, I do have to say, we are having some tech issues. Angelo is in Florida at the moment, and evidently there is a major thunderstorm happening. So I think we might have just lost him for a moment. Hopefully he's going to be able to get back in here. And Aisla is joining us. Okay. Aisla is, um, she is that beautiful being behind the stage, usually, behind the curtain. And um, evidently- Does that mean I'm the wizard? You are the wizard. Yes, yes. We shouldn't peek behind the curtain typically, but yeah. today is one of those days because, you know, technology being what it is and thunderstorms being what they are, we're having some issues this morning. Everything well, was fine until mm -hmm. we went live and then well, suddenly we lost and And I just have a passion for this topic. I've always had a lot of respect for my elders and feel I learned so much from them. So I thought, while Angelo is sorting out the internet, I could just hop in and say hi and thank you for doing this. It's so important that we take care of our elders and really honor what they have given to us in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Angelo, we have you back. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Okay. We're All having right. thunderstorms where we I am. Yeah, I just I just told everybody that you were having issues because there are thunderstorms happening in your region. Um, we've been happening. Uh, I'm in Colorado at the moment, and they've been happening every day for the last week at some point during the course of the day. So hopefully we won't lose you again. Um, and Aisla jumped in and she was saying how important this topic of elder care, elder awareness, and, and we're we have you on today, particularly because June 15th is World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. And I got to tell you, Ange, when you told me that, I was surprised because I had no idea. We hear about child abuse. We hear about spousal abuse. We hear about abuses of the system. But rarely do people talk about elder abuse. And you've been working tirelessly for how many years now addressing these issues and working with our elders? Yes, Alicia, it's been um, over 40 years uh, since we've been working on this issue uh, of creating um, educational programs, 
advocacy programs, awareness programs, and we've done that um, at the grade school, high school, college, and graduate level. Um, at no time in the history of humanity have we had more elderly people 60 years of age or older on planet Earth as we do now. And that number is going to quadruple hmm. within the next five years. And the World Health Organization says that 20 to 25% of um, our elders are victims of elder abuse and elder, and elder bullying. When you're in an elder care um, uh, person, your phones are alive. And uh, so I apologize for that as I um, sound that off. The, and um, we're both at that age of being elders ourselves. We've hit that, we've hit that yeah. mark a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yep. I um, will be collecting my first social security check soon, within the next month or so. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, however, that the, the work that we need to do is, is beginning. Because now that we have trained thousands and thousands of students and every college and law school across the country uh, has uh, elder law clinics and geri gerontology programs, which didn't exist in the 80s, mm -hmm. uh, we um, have an arsenal of advocacy groups, elder care attorneys, social workers, senior centers. The Older Americans Act, uh, which was established in 1965, basically created funding for um, many of these programs, uh, including senior centers, Meals on Wheels, which go to state offices, regional offices for the elderly, and then um, to local offices to the elderly. In addition, every local um, legislator has what they call member items and delegation items um, that they will um, fund. And uh, I remember my first lecture on this was in 1986 at Georgetown University. And it was uh, developing a elder law preventive law program worldwide and um, it's it's been successful and the key is trying um, as as hard as it is uh, not to own it to um, put the ideas out there and then let each community uh, each nation each um, family own it and um, it, it has worked and, um, and when you first started this, what was the response from community? What was the response from um, everyone from politicians to those who could really make things happen? Did they jump on board right away or was there some resistance or did they say, you know, what, why do we need this? Well, I'm, I'm going to bring you back to the beginning. I was working in my dad's butcher shop in Delhi. Um, I had decided to drop out of law school. And it was in a neighborhood um, 
Ridgewood, Queens, New York. And um, I was a meat cutter and deli man by trade. And um, I was about 20 years or 21 years old. And um, an elderly woman came in and said, can you help me? And I said, um, I don't understand. Sure. She says, I hear you're a lawyer. I said, no, no, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just my first year of law school. And uh, I didn't get into the details that I was going to drop out of law school. <laughs> In any event, um, she said, my landlord just raised my rent uh, from 300 to $600. I said, wow, that's big. And I said that in my head. Um, and I said, well, give me a number. And we had a little cork board and I pinned her number up. An hour didn't pass. An older man came in, told me the same story. So I did a little research. And um, I realized that Ridgewood was named the largest historical district in the United States of America. Um, by then Secretary of the Interior Watts under the Reagan administration. And gentrification began. And um, I, um, I knew I was going to lose my apron that day. Mm. And um, I was going to be a different kind of lawyer. And um, I hooked up with a law professor, um, God rest his soul, Luis de Graff, who ran the housing concentration. He says, well, you need to do a community profile. And um, I said, I don't know what that is. He says, well, you got to go around the neighborhood and figure out where the senior centers are. And I found the Ridgewood Presbyterian Church. They had a senior center in a vacant third floor and a great pastor by the name of Bob Friedman, who um, introduced me to the New York City Presbytery, who um, liked the blueprints that I put together to develop preventive law for the elderly in New York City. And um, the local senator who was an arch conservative Republican, remember this was during the Reagan administration, um, took a liking to the program. And um, I received the mission funds, became a missionary for New York City Presbytery. Local Republican senator funded the program. CUNY Law School put a um, steering committee together and we were on our way. And uh, we mm. developed um, legal awareness clinics. And we found that one of the largest uh, municipal housing programs in the United States of America, the Senior Citizen Rent Increase Exemption Program, where 170,000 people were eligible around 1984-85, only 30,000 were enrolled. Now, elder abuse is defined by um, the World Health Organization as a single or repeated act uh, by someone uh, in a position of trust um, upon a uh, person who is elderly, who um, is vulnerable, and it's either financial, and in this case, um, uh, it was financial. Uh, and I believe that the government was the elder abuser, and that's how I sold this. And um, I said to um, the legislators that we need to establish legal awareness clinics to get people enrolled in the senior citizen rent increase exemption program. And we focused on that program in, in that community. And the legislators um, realized one thing, seniors vote. And um, so they did jump on board. I know that's a long answer to your question. However, there, that's how it started. 
And um, we went from getting a member item to getting a delegation item to getting a governor's line item. And we were funded through the City University of New York for over 30 years. And um, at that time, we developed courses in uh, high schools, colleges, and law schools, internship programs. And um, it's been quite the journey. Well, let's talk more about the, the programs that are in place to help people to address these issues, uh, whether it's abuse, neglect, support, how do you live your life with dignity? What programs are out there right now? I know you're based in, in New York, but right. are, there, are there national programs or at least national numbers that they can contact and then bring them to their local areas? Well, the, the American Bar Association has a committee on elder care and elder law. It was uh, humbling to testify before them uh, in 1989 on the innovative delivery of legal services. So yes, uh, the White House has had conferences on aging and our group uh, had a representative from Queens to go there. There are the federal Bureaus have elder care programs. If you look up Older Americans Act, and one of the resources that I sent to our um, our team, and thank God for uh, Isler and the back office, uh, there is a list of federal programs and uh, phone numbers and contacts. The uh, the key, I believe because everything starts at the federal level, I believe. But the key is the state offices and regional offices for the aging. In my area, it's the New York State Office for the Aging uh, who receives the funding from the federal government through the Older Americans Act. And then it goes to the Department for the Aging. And they all have numbers and websites uh, that you could look up. All you have to do is Google um, Older Americans Act, a state office for the aging. As a matter of fact, I received a call just the other day from a dear friend of mine who has an elder care uh, agency in um, Georgia. I believe the county is Polar, Georgia. And um, he said, I'd like to put a packet together of numbers. The first number you call, I believe, is uh, your local police station. Because another form of elder abuse is physical abuse. And one of the videos of resources I gave to the back office of Her Many, Her Many Voices is um, a amazing video on how a family held an elderly man hostage. They beat him. The district attorney got involved. So today in every county, the, um, the district attorney's offices I know in Queens County, my, my original home county, um, the district attorney, uh, Melinda Katz, formed a um, elder abuse, an elder bullying unit, which has their own bureau chief. And the many um, district attorney offices are uh, following suit because they see this problem 
getting larger, not smaller. And this is a, a pandemic. It's an epidemic that has gone on. And I gave a lecture at a church recently. And uh, actually was at a temple. And I said, um, this is an age old epidemic. It goes as far back. And I know you all in this temple believe uh, that um, Isaac, the son of Abraham, was to give his uh, blessing and birthright to Esau, his firstborn. But it was not Esau who was his mother's favorite. So um, she had uh, Jacob put on hair on his arms because Isaac, his older brother, was hairy and went in and uh, said to his father, Isaac, I'm your son. And he touched him. He said, Esau, I want to give you my blessing and gave him his blessing and his wealth. And then uh, Jacob went out. He was happy. The mother was happy. And Esau comes in and says, Father, I know you're dying. I'm your eldest son. Give me your blessing. And thank God. They believe that uh, Abraham, uh, Isaac had a lot of blessings to give out, I said at that lecture. And he gave um, Esau his blessing also. However, the point I was trying to make was that um, whether you believe those stories or you don't believe those stories, these are age-old problems that usually happen undercover and under wraps. Now, mm -hmm. uh, And I'm not judging. Um, I'm just saying that we, we need to step out of our comfort zone. We need to pick up the phone and call 911. We need to pick up the phone because people are dying. Uh, we need to call the district attorney's office. We need to call the department for the aging. We need to write a letter to the legislators, make a phone call, your local council people. They, there are elderly committees in every legislature across the country. There are chair women, uh, uh, chairpersons of these committees. You have to contact them. Um, abuse comes, uh, you know, financially, physically, um, psychologically, sex sexually. I've seen it all over the last 40 years. It's heartbreaking. Uh, and um, so the numbers are there. Uh, the, I started giving my buddy who asked me, about creating a list in uh, Polar, Georgia, I said, you start with 911. You get everyone involved. Last week, a woman was in Florida with her mother, and um, she um, calls me up and she said, I'm, I'm on my way back to New York. I haven't been able to get in touch with my dad. She's an old time client. And uh, she says to me, um, calls me, I said, okay, when you get to New York, give me a buzz. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, she did. And um, she comes to the office and she's crying. She says, my dad's buried. No one contacted us. The, um, there was a there's a squatter in the house. My understanding is the will is in his name. They changed the life insurance into his name. And the uh, first thing I did was I referred her to the Queen's County Elder Abuse Unit, who opened up a case. And the next thing I did was um, start to prepare a will contestation. Uh, and uh, every elder should have a will, a healthcare proxy, a living will, a power of attorney. They exist in every. Um, 
every state. And um, we did this. And uh, about a week later, I get a call from a lawyer telling me that uh, somebody stopped um, his client from getting life insurance because they felt that they were entitled to it. I get a phone call. I would say almost simultaneously as I received the letter. And the lawyer says to me, well, what's your legal theory? And I said to him, tongue in cheek, my legal theory is blood sticking in water. Mm -hmm. I said, and you should contact the Queens District Attorney's Elder Care uh, Unit and Elder Abuse Unit because my understanding is that there is an investigation underway. And we have now, via this telephone call and a letter and email that I'm going to send you after it, have a claim against the estate. Now, there are official websites across the nations on elder care and elder abuse and elder bullying. I want you to think of elder care and elder bullying um, as they taught us in grade school, I think it was. Um, a rectangle is a square, but a square is not a rectangle. Um, elder abuse is the square. Elder bullying is the rectangle. It's a little larger because there's one more component to it, so to speak. It's a little longer. Um, so elder, um, elder bullying is different than elder abuse because it has one different component in that it usually happens repeatedly. And here's the key. It happens amongst peers. The sad thing is that there are really not too many countries that have laws to protect our elders. We, they fall under um, the um, fraud statutes. They fall under the assault statutes. I think there's only about 11 states that have um, direct elder abuse statutes. And most of them have to do that you have to be in a position of trust and care. So let me give you an example. If a group of youngsters target a 90-year-old woman and beat her and sexually uh, molest her, take her money, um, three components of elder abuse, they're going to be charged with assault, battery, uh, and some other crimes. However, they're not going to be charged under an elder abuse statute in many states because they don't exist. Like you said at the beginning, Alicia, we hear about bullying of um, religious groups, abuse of religious groups, abuse of uh, youngsters in school, and um, most of the elder abuse statute has to do with caregivers uh, throughout the country. 
So that's a long answer, but there, there's so much that we have to work on in this area. But the, the foundation is, is definitely there. Uh, there are so many advocates out there that have made this their life work. Well, it's good to know that at this point, we are finally coming to this realization of this does exist. You know, we look at the face of elders, you know, just across the board, we are older and older and older as time goes by. You know, there was that point where at our age, that would pre pretty much be the end of our days. And now we've extended our lives into, into you know, people are, are passing that hundred year mark. And so the older we get, the more vulnerable we become, right? Um, and, and I also reflect on, I also reflect on what is aging look like? How are issues addressed in the rest of the world too? Um, like, you know, I'm in the process of, I'm moving to Amsterdam, right? I'll be in the Netherlands. And I've shared with you, there's a, um, there's a place, there a senior place, it's Ruma Kita, um, predominantly Indo community of elders. And I look at them and I think, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is elder care. They are always on top of things. They're making sure that everyone is safe. They make sure that no one is kicked to the curb. If there's an issue where, you know, um, a landlord, a new landlord comes in the door and decides to change the rent to double it overnight, which they are doing in, in all sorts of areas. And so these are things that I look at. And I look for the power of examples on what we can do to address these issues. And, um, you know, I do have to say, I mean, you, you have been, well, first of all, everyone, Angelo's my brother. Um, you know, we've known each other since we were 13, um, but my mom adopted him into the family. And he's also been very helpful in mom addressing certain issues in her life. And we're not talking about elder abuse, but taking care of her life and being more independent to take care of herself. And at 97, she continues to be independent. And a lot of it has to do with the work that you have done in the support of the issues that she was running into. You know, um, I, I love our mama Yvonne with my life. Hmm. And um, she's a blessing. There are um, solutions to elder bullying and um, elder abuse. As a matter of fact, one of the resources I sent to Isola and our back office is entitled just that, Solutions for Elder Abuse and Bullying by Brittany Wingard. I, I hope everyone takes an opportunity to read it. Um, and um, there's another resource uh, that's printed in the Elder Law Journal. But what we need is legislators and judges that are willing to step out of their comfort zone. You taught me uh, something that has stayed with me throughout my whole career, Alicia. And that is, you don't have to be a blaze of fire throughout the world. Uh, you just be a spark where you are. And that's what we have tried to do. Um, there were no laws before 1999 um, on, in the area of elder abuse or elder bullying. Imagine that. And it's been going on for centuries and centuries. Now, Martin Luther King said, 
at the height of um, Dr. Martin Luther King, Reverend Martin Luther King, the freedom fighter, said at the height of the civil rights movement that if um, you really want to know what the goal of this movement is about, the desegregation of the South, while it is the extrinsic goal, the reformation of our communities is the key. This has to be done at the community level. Um, like every other uh, journey and uh, battle, I remember when our teams uh, at CUNY sent uh, delegations into South Africa to rewrite the Constitution and uh, help free Nelson Mandela. That was a battle for um, a nation. It was also a battle for uh, elder abuse in many, many ways. And uh, I saw it that way. But not to have any laws in the United States of America until 34 years ago, younger than my children, is, um, and I mean elder abuse and elder bullying laws, is, is unacceptable. And I don't think we're, we're there's no turning back now. Uh, the... Um, the need to um, pick up the phone where you're at, if you know an elderly person, say, how you doing? You got enough food? You got Meals on Wheels programs. Do you know there's a senior center around the block? Do you know it's that those the- little steps. It truly is those little steps. And it's very yeah. intergenerational. You know, as younger people, we need to take care of the next generation. Um, I, I know here in our own backyard, um, you're aware we have Shannon Francis does our uh, indigenous permaculture um, uh, programs, but she also runs an organization called Spirit of the Sun, and they provide food share programs. They take food to the elders. They check in on them. We have young people who will go to their doors just to say hello. And here's your here, here's food for the week. Is there anything else that you need? Oh, you need heaters? There's the, the weather's changing? Those little things make a huge difference. They, they do make a huge difference. And, you know, I've been asked many times, uh, where did elder law begin? And I say to people, I can tell you what I believe. We all believe something different. But I believe that, uh, for me, um, elder, um, elder law began on a mountain with some guy named Moses. And one of the commandments he was given was honor thy mother and thy father. The only one that he was given that day with promise. And the days of your life on this earth will be long. Now, what does honoring thy mother and father mean? It has more to do with my mother and father, Joe, my birth mother and father, who are in the next room. It has to do with the elderly person across the street, Mama Yvonne, who adopted me as her son. And how do we honor them? We honor them with housing, health care, social security, food, shelter. Picking up the phone. I, I, I really wish that everyone that sees this and hears this would watch the video that I sent um, 
it's called an anatomy of a crime. Watch the whole thing. And I think it will change your perspective on where and how elder abuse happens. And if people say, if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Justice Cordoza wrote, um, you know, I don't know what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. And uh, elder abuse is the same thing, really. You know it when you see it. If it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it smells like a duck, you have a duck. And uh, don't be afraid to call it what it is. And um, what I would say to everyone who can see this or hear this is, again, you have to step out of your comfort zone. You have to make that phone call and uh, be not afraid. Uh, this This is good work. And uh, many, many of these calls, if not all of them, are anonymous. And if you're afraid to call somebody, call me and let me know. And um, I will act pro bono on that phone call and no one could get, you know, get the information. Because... Uh, Angela, what's, what number, what number will people call you at? Well, I'll give my cell number, 718-760-8558. Or you can email me at Angelo at hermanyvoices.org. And um, we have an international network. Uh, You know, we have been able to convince through local parishes to shake the bushes to, and I believe, and um, many temples and churches and even the Vatican now are um, beginning to have their first catechisms and teachings on um, the elderly and how the elderly are a memorial to our society and how we're a family tree. I look at the tree of her many voices and the elderly are the roots, the young are the fruit and everything in between may be the bark. And, and if we have to work together, uh, we can't be that throwaway society. We must have the willingness to um, look and support those people that are doing it. I've been blessed um, with a partner in my life who went on to be a judge. Uh, and um, she wrote a decision uh, on the uh, that was uh, picked up by the New York City Elder Abuse Center. And they said that it is um, a decision which raises awareness and sets precedent on elder abuse. And it had to do with an older man who had a rent-stabilized apartment, which is worth millions in New York. And uh, his son and his girlfriend came in and they were abusing him and he uh, took them to court. And, um, you know, Judge Susan saw it for what it was. And she wrote a decision, which she got a lot of flack for. Uh, However, she stepped out of her comfort zone. And um, I don't think that would have happened 30 years ago. People are beginning to see that intergenerational um, 
programs, even at the court level. You have a 50-year-old judge helping an 85-year-old man who's being abused by um, the drug addict's son. And, um, you know, look, we want to get them help, but we want to save the life of the elder. And that's, you know, she even said that, you know, there are problems here. She called in the Departments of Social Services, which was unheard of for a judge to do that in, in this type of case. And the lawyer on the other side even said she didn't have to do all this. That's right. She didn't have to. But she stepped outside a comfort zone. And um, the antidote, uh, as this uh, program is entitled, it are intergenerational programs at every level. And also, it, well, I say this at least 10 times a day, the United States of America must realize that there are 540 indigenous nations living in their nation. And these nations, my brothers and sisters, have elder law programs and traditions that they have been following and we must look at. It is unheard of that the People's Republic of China has the only law on the books that makes it a criminal offense for people not to visit their elderly parents. Now, I'm not saying we need that, but we need to look at what we need to do here. There, is, there are many more areas that we need to have elder bullying and elder abuse, and yes, requiring family to step up to the plate in some fashion. Yeah, and, and you, we've had this conversation many, many, many times over, uh, quite often within indigenous communities. And by the way, it's, fi it's 574, I think. Did, okay, it's, yeah. my, my error, sorry. But oftentimes, I mean, elders are revered. You know, and we and we come within the U.S. and often in other countries, we look at elders and we think, oh, you're past that age of purpose in life. So we can dismiss you. You know, you're a burden, you're you're an inconvenience, you're a lot of things, but you've lost your value in some way. You've lost your your strength, your 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 ability to really contribute and there's no truth to that at all, at all. And I find oftentimes in, in more of the indigenous communities, elders have that reverence. We will ask for their guidance. We will sit at their feet and listen to their stories. I remember being, it was one of my first visits in Haiti. And I met with a group of women and um, and I asked each one to stand and tell their age, tell, tell, tell their age, which is, an, you know, we oftentimes as women, we don't want to talk about our age. But I did this intentionally because of what I recognized within this circle of women, it was not, oh, we're 18, I'm 45, I'm 86. It was over 5,000 years worth of life experience. But what I found interesting is that the eldest woman out of that group, she stood and she said, I'm 86 years old, what can I offer? 
And I was absolutely blown away at that question of how could you not know the value of who you are? Do you bring a world of strength, experience, and we need to listen to you. You're the guidance. You are the light for us. And if you can do nothing else, if you are so physically involved, you don't have the strength to get up and do, you tell the stories to the next generations of who they are and why they are. That, that brings in so much. There's a wealth of knowledge there that needs to be passed on. Because if we do that, then we remind the next generation of our whole purpose. And our purpose in life is to be here for each other, right? It is whatever I do for another, I do for myself. And I truly believe elders have a way because of their life experience of reminding us of that value. You, there's so much richness in the age. This, um, this journey um, started uh, working in, in my family's deli and butcher with my grandfather and my other grandfather who I'd sit in the backyard with and my grandmother who taught me how to make bread and uh, dough and, um, and um, their stories stay with me. And um, it led to, you know, many things, you know, being elected to five offices, uh, the greatest title I ever received, I received last night um, a, a plaque from my grandchildren. I'm going to show it off. It says, world's greatest papa, you know. <laughs> so you share your stories with them. And um, I don't think I'm the world's greatest papa, but I am to them. Um, so uh, the story time is key to the survival of our human family. Mm-hmm. We need we need to um, talk to people, see people, and um, the gray hair is wisdom. I say, the wrinkled flesh is. I'm getting um, a lot of that wisdom these days. <laughs> get it too. So uh, you know. Let's let's not be afraid to have these intergenerational programs because um, while our elders' arms and legs may not work like they used to, and uh, sometimes um, they suffer from um, ailments like Alzheimer's, and um, we need to recognize that and help them with it. I believe our goal and our role is to keep our elders uh, in the community as long as possible because they're a vital part of it. If we look at what has happened over the last two and a half years, um, I'm not going to get into um, uh, a debate on um, the issues, but all I can say is we cannot argue that 1.3 million graves were buried, were dug, and people were buried in this country. And I'm telling you, over 60% were elderly 
if not more. Um, if not more. And um, they died without us seeing them. They died without advocates fighting for them. Where I lived in Manhattan, we had uh, we had morgues set up in in Central Park with, with in Queens. Uh, they had trucks outside hospitals, and um, people couldn't go see their their relatives in in nursing homes. We we can't warehouse our elderly. It's right. inhumane. Right. So now to make sure that we guard against these kind of issues. I know that you talked about, you know, we have to get our documents in, in order. We have to take certain steps. And um, if you are aware enough as an elder, you can do these things on your own. If you need some assistance, you can go, if you cannot go to your children or your grandchildren, there are other resources out there. There are attorneys out there. Um, Oftentimes, these kind of things are costly, and there are many, many elders out there who cannot afford to, to get these kind of ducks in a row. Um, so, so is it possible? Are these things, are these papers, are these documents, are they available online? Is it the, yes. same, is it the same as if I were to go to you as my attorney? Are these, is it the same kind of paperwork? You can get a, yes. Okay. You can get a power of attorney. You can get a healthcare proxy. You could get a will online. I do not recommend that anyone do these documents by themselves. Okay. What I say to people is if you break your arm, you're going to go to an MD to get it fixed. Mm -hmm. oh, if, you, if you need a will, a healthcare proxy, a living will, a power of attorney, go to a JD, a jurist doctor. There are many out there. Now, I received my training from the uh, Jewish Community Council, JASA Legal Services, Presbytery Senior Services, and Catholic Charities. I worked in all of those agencies in some capacity. And, um, and at Brooklyn Law School Legal Services for the Elderly, and at CUNY Law School, and at York College in their elder care programs. Now, in your own county, you're going to have county bar associations. They can refer you. You're going to have, and just because something says Jewish Community Council, um, Catholic Charities, doesn't mean that that's the only group of people that they deal with. Right. They, they deal with everyone. They get funding from the city and state and federal government to serve humanity. And they have legal service programs and housing programs. So look them up. And, and if all else fails, uh, a good starting point is your local regional office on the aging. Now, online, you could get anything. Now, one of the problems is um, many people, I started off by telling that story about um, the senior citizen rent increase exemption program and um, how it was so underutilized, you have to jump through so many hoops. Now, and I'm going to get into how I think the arts can help us here 
and uh, music and plays. Um, however, you need somebody to help you jump through the hoops because if you're going to apply, and I already spoke about will, healthcare proxy, living will, power of attorney, everyone should have one of those in some form. And um, now I'm going to take it a step further and I'm going to say to you that, you know, if you own a car, I mean, you check your tires, you get your oil changed, you bring it to a mechanic, he puts it on a lift, puts it on a computer and, you know, red lights come up and green lights come up. You need this, you need that. You need to do the same thing with your legal house. You need a preventive law action plan for you. And that's what we've developed through our programs, preventive law action plan. And, um, and on average, are what is it called? On average, what does it cost? What does it cost to get well, that basic for the average person? Well, that's a good lead-in to where I wanted to go with the arts. Um, I'm on the train with um, one of my interns, and he strikes up a conversation with an elderly person, and um, I'm getting a kick out of the conversation because they're really hitting it all. Off this 80 year old and this 22 years old, and I'm having a ball watching them. And um, I asked the woman her name, and she tells me my name is Nikki Cochran. I said, That's a nice name. Sounds like a, you're a movie star. And she says, Well, I do some acting. <laughs> so she says, Do you like uh, do you like plays? I said, I love plays. She says, so she says, Why don't you and your um, what is he to you? So I told him, you know, uh, I know him since he's young, he became an intern. And um, just graduated college. So she invited us to a play. And we went. And um, Susan came, Judge Susan came uh, to the play, one of them, because we've been to a few of them now. And it was called Tenants in Crisis, hmm. put on by a group of tenants at the Theater of the Change in Manhattan. And it was audience participatory. And they have experts in the audience that they love when Judge Susan and I participate. And the woman comes up to me and she says to me, um, I have a home in Florida, I have a rent control, and in, in New York, I go back and forth. And I, I said, you know, where are your residents? Gave her some tips and um, gave her my number. Another lady comes up to me and she says, I need a will. Because I told them everyone should have a will, a healthcare proxy living will. What is the cost? What I have found over the years is I don't want to charge seniors for wills, a simple will. We've written thousands and thousands of wills to zero. Oh, the joys of technology. Um, as a reminder, Angelo is down in Florida and he is dealing with thunderstorms at the moment. So we just lost him. Hopefully he'll be able to get back here in time. I know we only have a few more minutes left. Hi, Aisla. Hey, it's, it's, it's like the thunderstorms are giving me the opportunity to come in and say goodbye. Like I just got to come in and say hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully we'll get Angelo back here because he was at a very, I, I think a pivotal point. You know, These things are crucial and he was getting ready to share, um, there are certain things that he will not charge for. Mm -hmm. And 
in doing these wills, that's it. That's an important thing. Um, oh, good. We've got Angelo coming back on now. I'm, I'm hopeful, but not confident. Okay. I'm wondering yeah. if the, the weather, and if we can't get him back, I'm hopeful. We got a few minutes. Uh, we can also, this is a great opportunity for people to know. You can join our newsletter at hermanyvoices.org. And we always send out an email, uh, you know, a couple weeks after the show with links to the live stream and the podcast. And we put any of this information that we get about services uh, into that as well. So you won't miss out. Uh, it won't be as awesome as hearing it directly from Angelo. I'm going to pop this out because it seems like it's hanging hard. And and just also, like, I want to say too, like, Alicia, I see the way that you take care of the elders in your life. So it's not just something you care about on a live stream. I see you do it all over. You know, you recognize, um, at least I recognize. Oh, good, Angelo. I'm glad you were able to come back. Do we have you audio? Oh, frozen in time and no audio. Ah, okay. Well, as I was saying, I mean, one of those things that I that I recognize for myself is there are certain ways I want to be treated. There are certain ways I want to be supported. And so when I reflect on that, I think, well, it's an obvious step. I'm going to call my mom today. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm going to do some grocery shopping for the neighbor. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, they're just basic things. They're very, they're simple and mm -hmm. they can a world of difference. Angelo, do we have you back yet? No, we don't. I, I'll, I'll stop seeing his beautiful face for a moment. <laughs> Until it works. Yeah. Well, and, and I listened to a, a couple I, of minutes longer. Mm -hmm. okay. I listened to a, I want to say a data analyst who said that our, um, our elders used to kind of be our big data. They would, uh, they were the ones that held the knowledge of you know generational experiences and times before, and sometimes I think in the modern world we get overly fixated on the ability to have the data, but it doesn't have the context of the humanity of our, our elders, and no, it's such it a loss. Yeah, and you know one of the things I know within indigenous communities, in particular within this country, since part of the genocidal move was to remove languages, and there are many nations who have lost their language or they are held on by their elders. And so that is passed on to the next generation, hopefully in time before they transition. You know, there, there are things that we forget about with elder contribution. I mean, something like knowing that you are one of the few left in your legacy who can speak your language, hopefully you're gonna pass that on quickly. Okay, and now we lost Aisla, but hopefully Angelo. Maybe, maybe this is the universe saying, you know, we've got to continue this at another time. Um, Ayesla, do we have you here? Let's see. Yes. Okay. okay. 
Yeah, we have Ayesla back. Okay, I thought I lost you both for a period of time there. Um, oh, you, you did. You were alone in the wilderness, but you handled I, it quickly. Yes, yes. But you um, know, the truth fell, and I'm sure everybody else heard it. So, um, you know, unfortunately, we are we are almost out of time, and um, and evidently, oh, okay, Angela's back again. Ange, we're we're just about out of time, so I would ask, and we're going to have to bring you back in some way, shape, or form another time. Um, so I want you to close out with, you, you were talking about there are things that you don't charge for and wills are one of those things. So talk about that for a moment and then anything else that you wanna to add to what you think is important. Uh, I'd just like to thank you Alicia and um, the Her Many Voices uh, team for putting this together and all of the work that you do worldwide. One of the things that uh, we don't charge for in addition to wills are healthcare proxies and power of attorneys. They're pretty simple. They're online. What I found um, after I think the last thing I did was this, we charged zero, but it's okay to charge zero, I tell the elders, because um, it really don't cost us much to do it. However, I have found over 40 years that they want to give something. They want to feel that they are contributing to what they need. So we um, figure out a way for them to be happy and uh, maybe it's a donation to their favorite charity, um, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, what, what do I think is important is that at everything that we do, uh, we remember that the things that we're doing now, our elders need to learn um, that they can learn from us and we need to know that we must learn from them we are intrinsically connected there's no separation and um we have an obligation as a human family to work together. And the intergenerational programs are the key. One of the projects I've been working on, this is the last thing I'll say, is, um, and I've worked on this for 40 years, is the legalization of hemp and marijuana. And um, I believe that I believe that this chose alcohol over cannabis mm. and they stopped prohibition on alcohol and they chose to prohibition on cannabis. I believe that many of these cannabis drugs, natural medicine, um, can be useful in an elder care line. And I believe that it helps in many areas. Now, I know they have to be FDA approved and I know they have to go through tests. However, 
they're, they're, I'm, I'm living proof of one of them. And I'm going to share it straight up and straight out. I'm, I'm a 62-year-old man in nine days. And um, I had ADD uh, for 30-some-odd years until somebody introduced me to CBD. And um, I told my doctors I've been using it for close to a year. And I am off all of that medication. You have to be able to step outside your comfort zone, my brothers and sisters out there, if you're listening. I was never a CBD person in my life, but it works. And uh, it works for elderly people and it's going to work in other areas. Now, elder care starts at home. It starts in your community. And um, so that's the last thing I have to say. Well, um, thank you for that reminder. I, I just wanted to show um, you can see. So, oh, actually, we're blurred here, I guess. Um, but um, what I was showing is Angelo and I have gone into uh, CBD uh, business together because we we are really focused on um, elder care, and we've created a recipe of uh, a vitality elixir with elders in mind. Um, because it helps with the brain activity and all sorts of wonderful benefits of, you know, inflammation and, and arthritis and that kind of thing. Um, so thank you for bringing that up at the tail end here. And I want to say um, one of the things I've been so grateful about with you for the last almost 50 years is that you are truly a man of faith. Um, you let spirit guide you in all sorts of ways. Um, it is not just one faith. You are open to all. Um, as long as it is spirit, love, guided, and led, you're good with it. And that is how you operate in your everyday life. Um, so I have a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation and love for how you walk in balance in this world. Um, and I can say that after almost 50 years of experience with you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister. Um, again, if you if you have any other questions, if you are in a, in a bind of some way, you can reach out, contact Angelo, his phone number and the address is right here, 718-760-8558 or Angelo at hermanyvoices.org. Have a beautiful, peaceful, loving day. Thank you all.